Hello, and welcome to the Hubcast. Today we have another one of our conversations with the hosts. We wanted to make sure that we were modeling this culture that we're trying to create of being honest about the times we've been wrong and acknowledging the journeys that we've all been on. So we're going to have an episode where we interview each of the hosts. You may have already heard the episode where Keegan and Adam chatted with me. And this time we're talking to Adam Cresswell. This was recorded back in the late winter, maybe early spring. So there might be some references in there that are a little out. But I hope you enjoy the conversation. Let's get right into it. Yeah, so uh, hi, Tim. How are you doing, man? Hey there. Yeah, I'm doing uh, I'm doing pretty good. Ready for another episode of Hubcast. How are you doing there, Keegan? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, it's a beautiful day, sun is shining, so life is good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know when this is getting released, but uh, I am uh, willingly tricking myself into believing that spring is over. Uh, we're recording this, uh, you know, mid-March when that uh, is probably not the case. It's uh, it's winter's going to come back with a vengeance, and I will be disappointed. But until then, or did I did say, say spring, spring is, is over. Spring is over. Spring has begun. <laughs> winter is over. Speaking of times we were wrong, wrong counter point one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what what season is it? You know, sometimes you're confused about the day. Today you're confused about the season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, especially these days, oh, not knowing good. what day it is. Good. Regular reminder of when we are wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're just lost in this like semi sea of the same kind of activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't we don't want anyone to hear this and think that we uh, we're coming at this thinking we we know what's up. I don't even know what season it is. Today's Tuesday, right? <laughs> Today is Tuesday. Yeah, March uh, March the ninth. Today we have a uh, a another one of our interviews with the hosts. We are going to be having a conversation with the one, the only Adam Cresswell, uh, a man who's um, made many a mistake in his day, um, <laughs> and uh, we'll probably have some good things to share. No question about it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Even if uh, you're listening to this later on, we, we, we recorded the hosts first, but you may mm. be listening to this. You're right, Tim. Like maybe maybe spring is over by the time they're listening to this. Maybe we got really delayed in our release schedule, and who knows? Maybe they're listening to this years later. Maybe an alien race has come, and they're looking at what was 2021 like, and they see a million people started podcasts. Yeah, this is a uh, this is like a time capsule in a way, or a, or a time machine. You know, we're uh, mm-hmm. embedding our voices here, transported into the future. In one of our other conversations, we talked about like digital archaeologists digging up this podcast. I, oh, I'm, I yeah. want to believe in the future where all of our predictions come true, like where there are digital archaeologists and there are aliens listening to this podcast and they're like, how did they know? And then like some big conspiracy is formed around us rambling in our basements. <laughs> we become the, the Simpsons did it thing where like the Simpsons yeah. the future, which like some of them are real, but like most of them are just people like doctored yeah. photos of episodes but some of them are real so that's my goal is to become a nostradamus 
More likely the aliens listen to it and be like, wow, these guys are an excellent representation of their time. You know, they really thought things in the way that could only be thought then that was clearly mistaken. If you had any other perspective, you would see how obviously wrong this is. Yeah. Sounds like these aliens would be good guests on this podcast. That's true. They we'll would get some uh, aliens on. Well, uh, depends what kind yeah. of aliens, you know, maybe they never know. Maybe they are only know the truth. You know, you can only, uh, only experience things that are correct. Or if they're the aliens in the, if you've seen the movie Arrival, they don't speak. Mm. They just like give ink blot tests. So they would not be good for podcasting. Yeah. That's season two when the podcast goes to video. Yeah. 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 And don't they like communicate through time somehow too? Is it yeah, a multi- there's a whole, there's their a language whole is like thing. multidimensional, you know? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that it's stuff. like ink blot. It's like ink blot hieroglyphs, but then it also they, time is a loop for them. If you haven't seen Arrival, we're not totally spoiling anything, but also maybe we'll put a disclaimer at the start of this episode. <laughs> if you want to watch this movie still and go in fresh, the guys yeah. started talking about Arrival and just went somewhere. Oh, it's it's cool. It's sorry. I was just gonna say I like that idea of aliens existing in multiple dimensions or different dimensions than the ones that that we exist in. You know, I think that's cool. Next year we'll branch off into an alien podcast. Yeah, I, I'm so there. Like, I'm so excited. <laughs> I know you're so excited you for it. <laughs> it's what the people want. People are calling. I think out. we talked about aliens last time too. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like we did. I'm gonna bring up aliens on the time. Tim episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm fine with that. It's coming up. It's gosh. Yeah. All right. Speaking of perceptions of time, Adam, how are you doing these days? <laughs> what have you been up to? Uh, yeah, I can I can relate to the what day is it? Because I thought it was Monday when you when you, I was about to interrupt and say it's not Tuesday, but it is. <laughs> so there's number two on the wrong counter. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. You know, it's still uh, we're still in a rough space uh with the pandemic um so it's a lot of work from home and zoom calls and things like that but uh i'm very privileged to get to still do pretty pretty much the 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 bones of what i do with youth and hub stuff from from home and just doing it in different ways so yeah march has been fine we're getting right now it's march while we're recording so we're moving towards easter and i'm pretty excited uh you'll have seen easter uh, the live stream that we're working on when you listen to this. So I'm going to say I'm excited about it, but if you hated it, then sorry. <laughs> sorry that we didn't know. Sorry that time wasn't a loop and we couldn't know what you didn't like <laughs> and change it. But uh, no, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm excited about the service. And so I hope that I hope that that ages well. Yeah. Excited about it now, but prepared to say it was a failure, you know? <laughs> <laughs> We we still have time to we can we can swerve we can swerve and 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 make the whole service about aliens if we wanted to yeah it's true right now it is not too late this, there's time yeah yeah I, I'm into to working that and we we still got time <laughs> but yeah I'm doing well I'm doing well good good um so we're gonna get right into these uh these questions get you in the hot seat uh Adam Cresswell I would love to hear about a time that you were wrong as a kid. Oh, there's so many. Um, I have a few things that I was thinking about here. One, um, I could probably give like 50 examples of um, of this one, which is when you're a kid, you you see a movie and you're like, that's the greatest 
that's the greatest thing anyone's ever committed to film. <laughs> that might be, this might be yep. the greatest thing art form or otherwise that's just ever been created um, in this vast <laughs> multiverse. Uh, so I, I could have a lot of examples of that, but I, I tried to nail it down to one and it won't be surprising because people hear me talk about this franchise all the time. But when I was, uh, so in 1999, when it came out, I was 11 and I declared to everyone who would listen, which is my small group of friends and like my older brothers, uh, that episode one, The Phantom Menace, was the greatest film that had ever been created. <laughs> and and that could be... And so that hasn't aged well. And I think that although, you know, when it comes to art, it's all subjective. You can like what you like. There's really no... There's probably no objective. Like, there's there's no objective. This is great and this is terrible. You like what you like. But having said that... I think I was wrong in the objective statement that this is the greatest film that's ever been made. And it could be even a little more forgivable if I, if it was the, just the first star Wars, but it wasn't, I had seen, I'd seen the original trilogy. And so I was excited and was like, this, this defies anything that I've seen because, you know, as a kid, you're like, Oh, I can see that a new hope doesn't look that good for nineties graphics. Cause it's made in the seventies and empire strikes back has a lot of cool, deeper darker themes that as a nine-year-old i'm like why do you go into that cave um <laughs> and uh so yeah the i had i had seen the original trilogy and at this time thought episode one was the best and i, I no longer think that although i will say that i, I it's my fate i'll say it's my favorite of the prequel trilogy but perhaps not the greatest film ever made now this yeah. is pod racing yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> You know the, the pod <laughs> racing; it's uh, it's lacking from the original trilogy, and I will say that. Yes, yeah. there's not one pod racing scene, and it is felt <laughs> hard to beat the pod racing. It is felt, yeah. The, the reverberations, <laughs> it's yeah. A real life. Although I'm sure by now, maybe George Lucas or Disney has like inserted a oh, there's a rusty old pod racer in the back of the scene. Like he always, George Lucas was always updating the original trilogy to like insert oh, really? more things that are totally unnecessary. So. I bet you could probably see some pod race. Oh, well, actually, with this is this is not a spoiler, but there is apparently one of the engines from Anakin's pod racer or one that's just like it in The Mandalorian, uh, in, in season two of The Mandalorian. Oh. There's like a speeder really? that someone drives, and its engine looks like it's one of the engines from Anakin's. So there's Disney trying to insert it back later. Um, okay, maybe I did see that actually. Maybe I did pick up. Yeah, that. Timothy Oliphant is is riding what what might be part of Anakin's pod racers. So yeah, mm. but yeah, I think mm. I was a little wrong at that grand objective declarative statement. <laughs> um, another quick movie one that's sort of different. Um, and this is this is a great lesson in just like even just digging your heels in and just refusing to admit, despite all logic, that. Oh, that yeah. you're wrong. And I will say I was even I think I was 8 at this point. So I was even younger. But have you do you guys know the Disney film? These are these are a little older. The there's the Disney films franchise The Rescuers. I I Oh yeah. Are they mice? Is it about dogs? mice or something? They're mice. Yeah. So it's yeah. they're like oh, okay. I mean there's all sorts <laughs> of animals, but yeah, talking animals and there's mice who are Sort of, yeah, it's, they're like spies, but also they're, I mean, the rescuers, they go to rescue specifically, I think, children in danger. Mm. Is it in Australia? Is it set in Australia? Well, here, that's a great question. 
Keegan, because <laughs> if you asked eight-year-old me, I would say that the original is set in Australia. Um, but that's actually, there's the Rescuers, which was made in the 70s. Um, yeah. And then I think like in late 80s, they made Rescuers Down Under. But as a kid, so Rescuers Down Under is the one in Australia. Okay. As a kid, I saw Rescuers Down Under. I saw Rescuers Down Under first. And then I saw the Rescuers. And I got into a huge, like, I think like year-long argument with, with one of my best friends about which one was first. And I was like, no, Rescuers Down Under <laughs> is the first one. Rescuers is the sequel. Which, just by the title alone, you know, like, that's so obviously <laughs> not the case. Um, but I just refused to believe because I had seen the rescue down under first. So that was obviously the first one because at this point in my world, whatever I experienced was the objective world. So yeah. there's some deep lessons you could mine from that. Mm -hmm. I was, I was convinced that they were backwards and it took me probably a long time. I'm sure I, I figured it out, but maybe even a longer time that to admit to go back and be like, remember that thing? Yeah, I was wrong about that. So, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Eh? It takes you a while growing up to s place yourself in time that way and say, oh, this came well before me. This didn't come out then and order mm -hmm. things according to a timeline, which isn't just in reference to your own life. You know, I think yeah, everyone has that kind of and experience. It's sure. probably, because, probably because I didn't have the aliens from Arrival to loop time around for me so you know, the full circle you know you couldn't see yeah. the, you couldn't see the whole picture and yeah. uh all you get's a little ink blood or something <laughs> that's right i want to watch arrival after this i was just gonna say that it's that a, story oh, a great is movie. yeah yeah i'm uh i'm intrigued I haven't even like heard of it uh before this um oh, your really? uh, your story is just like a nice reminder of the the good old days if you will of like not being able to just google that um like so often we're like that's you know so you're true. watching a show and you see someone you're like oh what were they in and then you just imdb done no more sense of wonder and curiosity yeah. whereas like you and your friends just like you didn't have anything to back that up you're just like yelling at each other being like no it was this and then there was <laughs> yeah. this and like you could you could you could sustain that for years <laughs> yeah i will say at least with like the movie thing as we probably because disney always came in those big chunky plastic vhs cases yeah, that yeah. were like different than the slide out ones you, I, we probably could have looked at like it'll say like the on the back on the back on the bottom it had like it'll have like the the title credits and like the copyright we could have looked at that <laughs> anyway uh adam i would love to hear another story i would love to hear um what is either your funniest or like your dumbest mistake um i could there's probably a lot of dumb mistakes i had recently i was thinking specifically that there's a couple there's you told a camp story and without making it too much like it's all camp. I, there's just a lot of good stories of like missing the market camp, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay, so one, really quick, uh, I fell off the cliff at Ryerson, <laughs> which I know that Tim knows. And I think that story still gets told. I shouldn't say I fell off the cliff because that implies that it was like much more dramatic. I fell down the cliff. The cliff at Ryerson is like eroding. So it's it's got a, it's like scooped. Like it's, you can kind of, you could tumble down. An aggressive role. It's an aggressive role. Yeah, it's like like a this would be a dead, death defying toboggan, and so with with no snow and no toboggan, it was yeah. So I fell about twenty feet down the cliff um, at site three, and uh, it was like there's <laughs> this one doesn't have much of a deep um, thing to mine out of it. I was uh, I was uh, going to the bathroom, 
and I thought I would just go to the bathroom. <laughs> I thought it would be if you've been to site three, there's really there's really nowhere to go and no one else was around. Um, but I was like, uh, I, I was wilderness director at the time and uh, I was about to take my time off for the day anyway. And so the camp out, the campers had packed up and left. And so I was just I was my staff was going with the kids, obviously, and I was in time off. So I was like, oh, I'll get the. I'll grab the crate of uh, woods. I'll grab the dishes, like the the stuff for breakfast that we have to take back to the kitchen, and I'll 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 pop it in there on my way to my like, quiet time or whatever I was going to do. And so then they left, and I was like, "Oh boy, I have to go to the bathroom like pretty bad." So uh, try to do it. Uh, try to be clean about it, but I do like, "Well, I'll just go over the cliff," and I got a little too close. Uh, the deep lesson here is: their fences <laughs> are there for a reason. And the racks and the fence is there for a reason. So, you know, sure don't are. go on the other side of it. Um, because they, I didn't realize maybe this, the true science of erosion, because I like stood at a point in the cliff that was, you know, that had some straw like grass, but it was essentially just like sand. So when I went too close, it just gave <laughs> way and I just tumbled down and uh, my pants were not fully um it hurt a lot <laughs> they were not fully all the way up so yeah <laughs> there's no deep meaning here beyond listen to the rules follow the rules mm. i've wondered was this a um was this a moment of uh sort of a pride comes before the fall or was this uh a, a sense of risk was this were you going at it like oh yeah this is a good idea i feel good about this or did you did you perceive the potential danger I think it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think it was pride. I think it was pride. I think. I think. Yeah. There's the deep lesson. I think I was like, oh, this will be. I'm smart because then this isn't going to be a mess for anyone. And also, look at me. I'm. I'm. I can go. I can. I can hop over the fence because I'm. I'm on staff and I'm a director and the 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 the. So yeah, actually, there you go. It was. I think it was definitely a pride, literally before the fall, um, <laughs> moment. Did you uh, break any bones or like? No, it wasn't like, again, I don't want to be a lot of people have the image who have heard the story of like, I fell like 30 feet down. That did not happen. Um, I, I fell about 50, I fell 15 feet, like through bushes and bramble. So it like, it wasn't pleasant as an experience, <laughs> but it wasn't like, like I never at one point thought like, oh my gosh, I'm going to like break my leg or die or something like that. Like, yeah. I was just like, ow, 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 ow. But then the worst part <laughs> is because the, again, because the cliff is eroding. So I go like 20 feet down and then I'm like, well, I'm, it's because there's like 50 feet, 60, 70 feet more down. So I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going back up. I'm not going down. Um, right. Because I'm not that far down. I can like see where I just fell. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm like, I'm kind of climbing back up and again, it's like a slope. So I can, I'm kind of on all fours and I'm grabbing yeah. like branches and like bushes and things to like hoist myself. But again, <laughs> the cliff is eroding. So these, this plant life is not rooted. <laughs> so I would like take three steps forward, grab a plant. It would like come out and I would fall back down like four feet. So it was a <laughs> bit of a process and uh, I definitely cleared some vegetation Um I apologize to the if any site staff at Ryerson. Or, I mean, this was 15 years ago. So um sorry that I maybe sped some erosion along at uh, site three by a, an extra inch that year. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this was, uh, hey, that was, that was my mistake. That yeah. does sound kind of terrifying though. Like if there's another 70 feet down, mm. you fall in 15 feet. Yeah. Again, I want to impress, like it was a, 
there's an incline there. So I, I you'd have to like leap off to not to to like yeah. jump off yeah. the cliff. I I was more tumbling down a down a hill like that scene in Princess Bride where they just go and go. So you don't want to tumble the rest of the way. No, that's true. So <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want to keep. I tumbling, tell you, you don't want to tumble any of the way because it's very painful. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Adam, I will commend you because I've heard you tell this story a few times in different uh, social gatherings. People are swapping stories and you could um, you could kind of, you know, I caught a fish this big. I caught a fish this big. You could have uh, exaggerated it more and more each time in the telling. But you uh, you really have um, been uh, you've had a good, strong character as far as being like, oh, no, it wasn't that big of a fall. Um, you could you could have been like, oh, I fell 30 feet midair and I caught myself on a branch and there yeah, was a hawk yeah. that flew. By and like, <laughs> and I mean, who knows? Maybe I told it that way. At, maybe I told it that way at first, like that Friday staff meeting. I'm sure that because some people then like, yeah, Laura Holmes saw me because I came out and I was all like dirty because I was like covered in sand and dirt. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, I fell off the cliff. So then during the week, people were like, oh, but, but Adam fell off the cliff. And then so I imagine talking about again being wrong. I probably that first telling probably was like it was a 15 foot fish. And I've oh, I think yeah. I've ho- yeah, hopefully like gotten more realistic with it as the years <laughs> have gone on. Oh, you, you got to exaggerate a little bit though at first, man. It's uh, it's a missed opportunity if you don't. Everyone thinks you fall off the cliff, and you're just I mean, like, I, I didn't. You know? <laughs> it's a great, it's a great <laughs> opportunity to, you know, tell a tall tale. It's true. I was, yeah. I mean, I was trained in theater. You know, you wanna you wanna give yeah. the people a, a story to remember. Old Grandpa Watson told me, uh, "Never let the truth get in the way of a good story." I was way too young when he told me that, but there's there's a piece of wisdom from Carl. <laughs> Those are some wise words. Yeah. All right, so uh, I would love to uh, get into a little bit more of the meat of uh, this podcast, the reason we're here, the reason that we are uh, thinking this is a valuable conversation to have is um, that uh, so often in faith experiences, some of the best growth comes from the times that we realize we're wrong, some of the best uh, growth comes from the times that we can see where we've missed the mark, had opportunities to grow from that with doing this podcast, we're just excited about, uh, you know, sharing those experiences. Um, so Adam, you've been around the block. You're an old <laughs> young person. Um, you've, you've lived this life a little. I would love I'm to hear. I'm 30 something. <laughs> you got, uh, you got the wisdom and I'd love to, to hear about it. Uh, when, uh, tell us about some times that you've missed the mark. Sometimes you've been wrong in your, uh, faith journey. Yeah, I don't know about wisdom, but I can definitely I can definitely talk about times I screwed the pooch, um, <laughs> or just um, yeah, like I, I think like we said, I, I'd really like the I don't know if it's in the message version or what, but like that Philippians scripture and for Paul, I think it's Philippians three, and Paul talks about or the writers talks about you know not that I've already obtained this or have already arrived, um, but I press on towards the goal of Jesus. And so the, yeah, the idea of like, I, as I say these things, certainly I want to like the disclaimer is I'm, as we've talked about a lot of times we can tell parts of our faith journey and we're like, Oh, I was kind of off the mark and now I've got it. And I'm sure mm-hmm. we uh, do a season of this in another interview mm-hmm. in years, I'll be like, Oh, here's, here's stuff that I was way off the mark about at that very moment. But um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. but I can definitely mm-hmm. look back. And there's, there's a, I think there's a, just that value in looking back, especially when I was like, I'm talking about my, like when I was a teenager and that was, of course, this is probably around the same time as me tumbling down a cliff. Maybe I, maybe I should have been reflecting on these things 
instead of uh, instead of breaking the rules and jumping over fences. And maybe if I had sat down at the cliff more, I would have had time more to reflect. But I think about when I was a teenager and I was starting to really like go from uh, sort of my faith becoming a an actual starting to weave into parts of my life. Um, that would that process started a lot because of because of camp because camp was a place that you actually live out an incarnational faith in a very specific way like it's you're you're putting your your body and heart and patience and like sleep patterns on the line to to serve um to serve kids and to be part of a a team but i think even at that point i still think i still thought of my faith as something that was sort of just contained to like my heart and how I felt about God and my head and things I thought about God um, and didn't really need to be lived out like beyond the specific examples of like camp or like youth group Sunday morning. So this is like, that's a pretty typical, like, you know, we hear that a lot, like yeah. um, in a lot of people's mm-hmm. stories, like growing up that it's, you know, our faith becomes car- compartmentalized place, but I kind of want to specifically go into that, that idea of like, faith was specifically compartmentalized in like i have to have the right beliefs and i have to like believe the right things about um about god about about jesus about scripture um and it was less about um how i actually yeah weave it into like the everyday parts of my life and so um and again it was about like there is a right there is a one prescriptive right thing um right set of things to believe in the right order um and so uh it wasn't uh i didn't go to camp because like i didn't go to camp or lid like mostly because i wanted to like serve kids um like i that was like i i considered that i wasn't just like going for no reason but i was mostly going because like camp is fun Yep. Like that was like, that was why I went to camp like for, and I would say like for most of my perm staff years, like that was still true. Like the main reason why I would end up at, at, at camp is cause like I enjoyed it. So, um, and I would, and I would learn things. So I would get, I would get the check boxes of like, Oh, I feel good while I'm there. It's fun. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I'm learning more of the right things that I'm supposed to believe. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. and then I think that, I think that had a lot to do with then why it was like really hard to then like as as a lot of people talk about like especially when you're a teenager like weave it into your post camp life like how do you weave if if the, if i if i'm getting my primary um like spiritual growth from this place that i'm really going to to check the boxes of like having fun and learning the right quote unquote right things um then that doesn't have much application like beyond like beyond the camp setting like once you leave that setting at the end of august or whenever um Mm -hmm. and not to say that like god doesn't want us like i i think like god does want us to experience joy and like friendships and i think that like includes fun um like i don't like i don't think god is out to have us just be you know slogging through life so not that those are inherently like bad things but um yeah just that my own personal like having a good time was my baseline um, for life much more mm-hmm. than, you know, this radical, 
countercultural, neighbor focused, enemy loving, nonviolent, you know, Jesus thing. Um, yeah, so I think that was like a like a big thing that probably a lot of people share, but especially the like I'm just aware of how I how I chose what I did, even faith wise, based less on who Jesus is and and the call of you know discipleship and restoration and more on does this feel good and am i am i learning to think the right things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i um i had a similar kind of mentality um when i was around that age and it very much came from uh a, a camp experience that i had at a different camp um not uh not a united church camp but a camp that i i went to as a kid um where it was like pretty standard like every summer you expected it to happen at some point um where uh before bed like one of the counselors would like take you out in like the hall or something um and be like hey like if you died tonight where would you go um wow and then you got to be like oh like i think i'd go to heaven and they'd be like how do you know and then you'd be like uh, i've accepted jesus into my heart and like i'm like like coming at this like you know grown-up christian kind of and they knew that answer or at least i learned it the first time i came to camp um but uh but it was kind of that like i don't know if they had a, like a clipboard with a checklist but they were like i don't know getting all the campers by the end of the week or something right. um and that like very much cemented that kind of That's checking terrifying. the boxes of faith it was a wild time what a, what a wild uh experience hmm. but the the reason i bring it up is that it took me quite a while to um get away from that mentality of the like um have i checked this box have i like said the, mm. the prayer or whatever it is um for you uh identifying that in yourself as well kind of what was um what was the catalyst for transitioning away from that was there a moment or was it a, a gradual thing or what what brought about change and, and what did that look like for you yeah i couldn't i couldn't pinpoint like a some people do have like those moments of like epiphany or when like whether you call it deconstruction or whatever, like really starts. I couldn't pinpoint that specifically. I could definitely say there were um, when I, ex when I started to um, when I started to experience like uh, and learn about, I shouldn't say experience really more just more, as I started to learn about um, just different traditions within this like Christian thing and um, different ways of, encountering god and growing in your faith like that was a big um thing for me going like oh like and again this doesn't inherent this doesn't say inherently like what i because the the camp experience was so formative for me and like i wouldn't be where i am without like summers like i said where i was where we were in this situation where you're like you are sacrificing your like sleep if there's a homesick camper and you are working like every day to to serve and love kids and there's kids who try your patience and so like i think like the incarnational piece of camp where you are you are like forced to live this out it's not it's not just a, an in your heart or an in your head thing like it's a mm -hmm. with your hands and your feet and the games you play and dressing up in ridiculous costumes and and pouring your heart into small groups um but i think when i started to like just like see that that is one you know that is one kind of particular set of um, ways of living this Jesus thing out. And there are, there are plenty of like the Christian tradition is very diverse. I think that just kind of like um, talk about the idea of like when you're just swimming in the water, mm -hmm. um, you don't actually recognize like what you're in. Um, and so once I was like, Oh, there are many like ways to, um, 
to to decide there's many ways to make a declaration and follow Jesus, right? Like, you know, there's no there what some people call like the sinner's prayer, like that's not in scripture. Um that there's baptism. There's different mm. there's some denominations are adult baptism, some are infant, and they all have theological like reasons for that and scriptural ways to back that up. And so I think just seeing like, oh, there are lots of ways to do this started to just like um actually kind of like open my eyes up to see that uh there is like there's value to be found in so many places and even we were talking about when we recorded the um last episode with tim whether you've listened to that already or not that like i even continue to make like probably like like unfair generalizations and i'm wrong in generalizations just saying like oh christians do this or christians do that or um because the truth the the, the fact is there are a diverse set of traditions and beliefs and theologies and practices and ways of doing community and ways of following Jesus. So I think just starting to, um, especially in like university and then um, just getting um, exposed to so many different ways of living out, you know, discipleship or following Jesus. Um, it just was like a, almost like a creative spark that you're like, Oh, there's, you know, there's so many ways to engage with Jesus. I don't know if that answered your question. Was I off track? Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, that that's great. I think what I'm hearing from you is, um, you know, you're speaking about uh, being exposed to different ways of living life and, and being exposed to different um, ideas of what uh, practicing the faith looks like. And um, that's, yeah, I mean, that's so on the mark with my experience as well. Um, so often when I've um, found myself kind of recognizing where I'm missing the mark or recognizing um, where I've been making a mistake or where I've been wrong. It's the moments when um, I've encountered a, a new person that, that sees something differently or I've encountered hmm. a new community yeah. um, or there's a community that I haven't I've paid as close attention to as I, I should have been. Um, and then seeing how they are uh, living this out um, is what then makes me take a look at myself and be like, oh, yeah, right. That's that's in me as well. And, and I'm not uh, I am missing the mark on that. Totally agree. Yeah, like I'm a big. I'm a big book reader. And so like authors like have been huge for me, like one of the first ones was like reading Eugene Peterson. I think mm-hmm. Aaron Miller, a, a, a awesome dude minister out west was I was standing in the driveway at Ryerson one summer and he was just like, yeah, he's the guy who you know, wrote the message version of the Bible. And he's got this like beautiful five part spiritual theology series. And I remember reading that and that like, just even um, just opening me up to like, just new ideas and new, even just like, not even necessarily sometimes new ideas, but just like new ways of like articulating things and new ways of like pulling out these lenses of how we read scripture or what we see in the life of Jesus. And then that, and then that just get kind of started, uh, gave me a love affair with just reading, just, I love reading like books about theology. Um, and again, that probably falls back into what I said, where it's like, I still tend to like have the faith be like, okay, do I have the right beliefs? Do I, I still fall into that kind of trap of mm-hmm. it's about having the right beliefs. But, but that started reading me. Like I started then reading, you know, cool people like Richard Rohr. And then, um, and of course I've always been a big fan of like Rob Bell and stuff. And then coming out of that as well, a, a great point of going, wow, I was kind of, still missing the mark was I, I was putting all of my um my kind of stock into when I look at my when I looked at my bookshelf I'm like oh this is all um white cis men um that are like my 
now becoming my sort of collection of of source. They love writing books. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, I don't have actually a very diverse experience. In that. And so learning that, like, you know, if I don't have, you know, if I if I'm not ever uh, learning from the wisdom of um, women of color uh, or uh, indigenous spiritualities, that I'm I'm still actually just kind of like circling around you know, maybe not the exact same little like pool that I was swimming in, but still the same kind of area. And so, yeah, that was even a process since that, since that opening up moment where I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not really accessing a truly diverse um, set of um, ideas and thoughts and wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, what I hear you saying, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, is that what you think you were wrong about or like a mistake you made in the past was to think that faith is composed of sort of a right set of beliefs. And then what you've come to realize as you've kind of grown in life is that rather um, it's this question of weaving it into your life in some way. Um, Yeah. Do you think you could just maybe explain that difference a little bit? Like what is the, what's the difference there? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's a, that's a pretty fair articulation. I think having said that, um, that, yeah, I think that, that there are definitely some like toxic and like, I think that there are some bad things to believe. Like I, I still do hold that there's like, there are some, there's some really toxic beliefs that can that that we know because they do harm and so like a hermeneutic for me is is always talking about like the fruit of the spirit like does is it producing something good is it producing um love or joy or faithfulness is it produce is it allowing life to flourish then there's like that's probably we're, we're moving towards jesus here and if it's not a, pr- like providing the soil for life to flourish or if it's harming then that's something that i think like is something we want to move away from so um so I, I'm not totally at the point where I, where it's where I think beliefs are Im- important because they form us in like how we live. I think that's whether you're religious or spiritual or not, like what we the stories we tell ourselves and and what we believe about the world and the people around us is going to form our actions. But I think yeah, like that piece about weaving it into our lives, it, life is. Um, I definitely locked kind of myself into an experience where. Um, faith is about the 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 beliefs and if i'm also and like i said like if i'm feeling good about it then things must be good um when of course that's like a very subjective experience and me having a good time you know i could have a be having a great time like uh uh and it could be harming to someone else too so um i think that the weaving it into the everyday life part is about like that prac for me like practice the practice of my faith needed to take a bigger stage and camp actually was like so important for that because like i said you are practicing you know love and care um and you know playfulness and uh and teamwork you're you're you have to be practicing that every day so i actually think that like camp is so so singularly significant for me in in that being in the soil but then i started to just get into you know, it's it's about the right order of of ideas, um, and it took me a while to start to go. Oh, what I 
how I actually live that out. The the orthopraxy, the practice of my faith, is really where the road meets meets the rubber. And if I I could have all the right, you know, I could have read all the most, I could have the most diverse bookshelf in in the world. But if all it ever is is just like thoughts that I have and opinions that I have, um, it's really doesn't look much like the kind of life that Jesus lived. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's um it's easy to look at something like a like a camp um where you're kind of in your day to day you're taking care of kids and you're doing uh this like very kind of hands on work with them that can be seen as this um living of the the faith and and um uh in that moment living out Jesus teaching and and practicing patience and kindness and um all those other fruits um mm-hmm. I'd be interested to hear this doesn't need to be a question of like hey brag about how good a person you are um <laughs> but uh I'd be interested to hear kind of what that what that looks like in a less obvious context uh like uh, campus is very easy to see um and now in in your in your day to day not even like oh what are the nicest things you do in your life but but how do you how do you seek out those opportunities where um you can really feel like you're living the Jesus way instead of just thinking about it um so I always, like, I grew up in a, like a fairly, um, like, uh, grew up in the United church, which is like a fairly, uh, uh, terms are going to fail us. So use whatever term works for you, but like a kind of a, like a, a, a fairly progressive or liberal con- like denomination, uh, and, and a house that was also like fairly liberal, like, like progressive. Um, and so I grew up with sort of like values of, inclusion and um and uh and embedded in you know my household and that was like very important in in informing um me and that's probably not surprising to people who like like know me or have heard me like talk about stuff but i think for a long time um again talking about like what's locked in your head is really what's what was locked in my head um or what i would talk about is 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 who I am rather than like what I, what I'm actually doing, what I'm choosing, how I'm choosing to live it out. Like, Mm -hmm. so as an example, like I've, I've personally always uh, held like an affirming viewpoint in terms of like theology for, for LGBTQIA plus and, and 2S like folks. Like I've, I've never, I've never thought to myself like, this is a sin. Um, But Mm -hmm. uh, for, I would say most of my life, um, that was just like that was a theological opinion that I held, and it didn't actually have any merit in the world because I was around, um, particularly in university, like around some um, discriminatory ministries that were, uh, mm. specifically mm-hmm. a campus ministry that was um, uh, that I went well, well, I the you know I I disagree with them on this and. Um, and if anyone asks me like point blank, like I'll tell them what I think. Um, but I was complicit in a lot of, um, in a lot of discrimination, um, because I just thought all that mattered was I had this opinion. And and so therefore I am like that, that affirming was like a belief that you had and not actually a practice of solidarity and support. Um, Mm -hmm. um, and when, so when there isn't a voice in the room, being able to advocate for those voices in the rooms. and so. Um, I, uh, and I think that I still like struggle with that, like to this day that, um, actually practicing that the kind of solidarity, um, that, that Jesus modeled and, and put into his life, not just, not just 
the words that he said. Um, so I think that that's a big example of how I've seen like, you know, what's just my opinions or my, my theology doesn't really matter if, if there's something I can do, um, to support, um, or there's something I'm complicit in that I'm just going, uh, along with, because I think I'm fine because I don't believe that, but I actually could have the power to, um, be part of creating a better kind of space or be part of supporting and centering, you know, someone who, uh, is being oppressed or discriminated against. Mm. And so I say that with the, with the very clear coding of, I still, um, fail at this. I still get this wrong, like all the time. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, it's still a process. I'm still in process with that. Um, uh, but I, I definitely in my twenties became like keenly aware of, uh, of how unhelpful it was for me to just be someone who's like, well, I don't believe that. Um, and how little that actually helped in spaces where folks are marginalized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially when we fit into those categories where it's like, well, it's not going to directly impact me. I don't think it's right, but, uh, well, you know, that's, that's my opinion. And it's, we have these differences of opinion or something mm -hmm. and well, that, yeah, you come to realize or something. I think that's a nice point that it's not just an opinion. It's about how do you, um, how do you demonstrate solidarity, uh, with people with, for whom this is, does actually impact their, their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. And that's not obvious. It's not, it's not easy. Um, and, uh, there isn't like a clear path laid out in advance, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's again, like it's, you know, that people talked about that, like, allyship isn't like an identity it's it's like a practice that you return to and and i think that i as a clear as a very specific example how i still like fall short of this all the time is like I, we've talked about um that privilege is some people say privilege is the ability to opt out right to walk away and so i i still know that i like i still look and have to pray and confess like of all the times that i opt out of solidarity um and so a lot of my process is like trying to do that less and less. And I think, especially cause I'm a people pleaser, there's, I've never been good at being in a room where something you're going to say is going to like ruffle feathers or, um, you know, it's going to be a very controversial thing in a certain room. Um, even if it's not a controversial statement, um, mm -hmm. it might be controversial in a room. And if the energy is stacked against what you think in a certain room, what I think in a certain room as a people pleaser and as someone I'm an Enneagram seven. So I hate negative feelings and I avoid conflict, like, like the plague. I'm particularly bad at this, at being in a room and, mm -hmm. and, and knowing that, Oh, someone just said something that was uh, super homophobic or someone just said this myth that is completely untrue. And I know that. Um, and, uh, and I still struggle with um, being able to go and, and, step in and say something uh, or, or again, just step in in that way. And I've been in those situations where I look back and I was like, I've, I've never regretted the times where I actually have then said something and the conflict has come. I've, I've actually only regretted the times where I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I just didn't say anything. Or I kind of, I just sort of ended up silently being beside, uh, you know, some, some discrimination taking place. And so, yeah, so I'm still deeply, deeply in process about that. And, uh, and Jesus returning, especially to, to like the gospels and just seeing the way Jesus, um, 
lives out that resistance to to empirical and oppressive power is really important as a tether for me um, to remember that that for for me in my experience like that is what a huge key piece of following Jesus is for me is continuing to risk upsetting people and not pleasing people and um, and risk potentially you know some conflict um, because some things are more important than uh, again like the the false piece of of the absence of conflict is is what I think our society in, in a lot of ways continues to like operate on. And I have to dig deeper into, you know, God's justice is um is true shalom, is true true right relations um and equality and equity for for all of God's children. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you, Adam. I, I I appreciate like, you know, I asked for an example and and for you to to give something where it's like, yeah, this is something I'm striving for in how I live my life, but then also to acknowledge the the imperfection of that in your life. Like this, the this podcast is not the like, oh, we were wrong, but now we're right. Um, yeah. But it's the exploring that that being wrong in a in a space where we can um, discuss it and and talk about kind of where where we go from those places. Um, because yeah, it's uh, it's so it'd be so easy to 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 try to present this like oh yeah like i was wrong about this but now i've really got it down um so yeah i just i just want to thank you for how you answered that question mm-hmm. because i think it was um it was a good reminder for me as well to not have to um not have to present perfectly even in these contexts where we're talking about being wrong there's still the temptation for me to be like well i was wrong but like i'm I'm okay now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah and as someone who just continues to you know, I continue to just have a ton of privilege, uh, in, in so many different ways. Like, um, it, it is something that I continue in, in various ways to, um, it's something I continue in various ways to need, you know, God's refining fire, right. Um, to, to continue to, um, keep me honest is like the most like Frank down to earth way I could put it. Um, and, mm. uh, I will continue to uh, miss the mark, but I have had a lot of uh, really good and full of grace and speak frankly to me people in my life that I'm very grateful for who um, sometimes there's been moments where I've needed someone to, to uh, take by the hand cause I'm still so resistant, but I also want to say I'm incredibly grateful for the people who uh, have just like told me straight up when I've, um, harmed Mm -hmm. when i've like deeply harmed or when i've really um when i've I've truly um picked my own comfort or status quo or privilege over um over solidarity and so uh i need those people who don't sugarcoat it too um for me Mm -hmm. to really be tied to that and i think that that's uh that's something that i my hope for for people is that they have those people in their life the people who can be great gracefully take them by the hand, but also the people who can like kick them in the butt and remind them that, uh, what matters uh, to Jesus, um, is that God's people, God's children are flourishing. Great. Well, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up with a light one, Adam. Uh, I'd love to, to hit you with our, with our closer question of, uh, just what is, uh, what is your perfect day off? What's, uh, uh yeah. you got, you got nothing going on. What's your perfect day? I kind of forgot about this one. Didn't think about it in advance. Um, 
my perfect day off is uh it's definitely like we're talking like late spring where it's not too crazy hot out yet um but i could but there's enough like foliage that i could go grab uh maybe grab uh game of thrones or uh or another book uh and go into the woods <laughs> take my lawn chair out into the woods uh take uh take a take a pop with me and uh some snacks and i would probably do that for most of the morning um right now perfect i've just been playing so much zelda breath of the wild i borrowed my brother's nintendo switch so i would say that maybe becomes my afternoon uh thing is some some breath of the wild maybe i even take it out of the woods and i'm maybe i even feel like i'm living the breath of the wild out in the wild (laughs) and uh and then it would uh, it would definitely end with uh like I could eat burgers every day. So uh it would definitely end with like some barbecue uh happening. Sun and outdoors and some Zelda and uh and a good book and um that's a pretty good that's a pretty prime day off for me. Man, that sounds, sounds like great. a good day. Barbecues. Yeah. I'm I'm looking and forward to that season coming back around. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. The barbecue less part of the winter is definitely legitimately like is a tough part. Cause I love to just be able to, cause I'm also not a good cook. So like I, I, <laughs> I can, however, put something on a fire and let it be heated and not um, poison me. So that's, that's about the extent of my cooking. That sounds great. All right. Well, uh, thanks for sitting in the hot seat, Adam. Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, sharing your perspective and experiences and um, we'll have you, we'll have you back in the host role in uh episodes to come thanks for letting me send the seat all right all right we don't know how to sign out of this yet (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm tim and i'm keegan and i'm adam and i think that we should put at the beginning of this episode i actually think that we should put spoilers for the movie arrival because i'm realizing (laughs) just like as i thought about it more we actually did like spoil a huge piece of the movie so it is uh (laughs) I'm Adam apologizing. We were wrong to spoil this movie.